Boys and girls all over the world, tune that dial in to the show where the hosts put what they hate most on a wheel and give a spin. Cause it's movie night and the time is right to kick back and let go. If you're in the mix saying you like good flicks, then you came to the wrong show. It's the weekly watch wheel. It's the weekly watch wheel with Matt, Jimmy, and Shamley. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the weekly watch wheel where we'll watch a movie. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my good friend Shanley. Shanley, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Good. Glad to hear it. How was your day? Um, pretty eventful. I dyed my entire head green. So that was uh, my midlife crisis. Nice. You yeah. don't plan on living very long. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't think I'm going to have a very long life. Well, I think your hair is to die for. Mm. And I am green with envy. Not only because of the color of your hair, but because I am bald. <laughs> Jimmy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing terrible. Hey. Hey, sport. Why, why are you doing terrible? I'm doing terribly. Why are you doing terribly? I'm just bad at doing. And, um... Dang it. Did someone forget to turn off their cell phone again? Is that two episodes in a row? I don't know, but this time it was me. It was you last time. Was it? Yeah, and then you said... Oh, I just want to remind everyone we should all turn our phones off. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, okay. <laughs> We've never once had our ringers on. So <laughs> it's never been us. Um, Any hoodly doodly. I, I mean, I don't know if we're saying this. I had to watch this stupid movie three times. <laughs> so I'm bad. Life is not great in this moment. Yeah, well, we'll just jump right in. So I spun... Wow, seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> and I got bad superhero franchise and we were like, "Oh, we're we're going to be so responsible. We're going to get ahead on the podcast. We normally watch the movie on Tuesdays and then record the podcast on Wednesdays, but we watched the movie I think on Friday and then we recorded it on Sunday night on April 4th and then we lost the recording. Um, I don't know whose fault it was. I'm not going to blame me because I don't want the blame. Yeah, don't uh, don't blame yourself. Thanks. <laughs> You know, yeah, sure. You record. It's your job. You hold the laptop and are responsible for all the equipment. But it's someone else's fault. I, I see where you're going with this, and I agree. There's no way to determine who's to blame for it's this. It's TBD. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's not, though, because it will never be. We'll never know. No one will ever know. All we can do at this point is move forward. And how we moved forward was we watched Steel again it feels like a step backwards <laughs> it's definitely a step backwards i had made a comment when we watched steel that i was glad we were watching steel because it's one dollar cheaper to rent than the captain america movie i was going to choose but then we had to rent it twice so we ended up having to spend nearly ten dollars watching this terrible movie how do you feel about that shanley i think it's funny because we were joking the first time like should we just buy this and we're like no we will never want to watch this again and then we kind of had to, so. I watched it two times, including last night. Why did you guys watch it an extra time? Because I didn't stay awake the first time we that's, watched it. It's never stopped you before. Yeah, but I I don't know. I, I feel bad not contributing enough. So I wanted to get the full experience so I can be involved. 
Okay. Also, it was very hard to follow this movie. So, the second watch did help. I mean, I came into the first recording of this episode feeling really prepared with a lot of things to say. My energy was at a peak. I think two viewings might actually be the sweet spot for this film. Because the first time through, I was annoyed and it was not keeping my attention. The second time, I had enough residual knowledge of the first viewing to carry me through. But this third one was just a beatdown. It was pain the whole time. I don't even know if we've said what movie that we're talking about. This is 1998's Steel, starring Shaquille O'Neal. Got that triple rhyme in. Wouldn't he he gets tons of rhymes in in the two seconds of his song that is featured in this film. But wouldn't we have already said Steel in the pre the episode before this? We said, Okay, yeah. that's what we're gonna watch. See you then. No, it's fine. You think people aren't paying super close attention and listening to this podcast? Oh, I know they religiously? are religiously. I know they are. I yeah. know that we have. They know. They know what we watched. I know that. I know that. I'm just trying to be a good host. And Shanley. Because somebody's already dropping the ball, losing recordings left and right. You're I don't right. want to be. You can't take any chances anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> That's fair. Uh, since I chose Steel, I have to give the summary of it. I'm going to try to do a better job than I did <laughs> last time on the recording that we lost. I'm just telling you guys right now, I'm going to start this summary. I'm going to be brief. I'm going to be succinct. And then I'm going to knock this summary out of the park. I'm not going to get caught up on details. I'm just going to be so, so perfect. Okay? The movie opens with a training exercise. It's a weapons demonstration. And there is a tank that's lurching forward in uh, some sort of grassy field. And then it's shot with a laser. And then its wheel pops off. And it reveals that there is a team of army research weapons developers that are firing this machine. And it's a trio. There's a triple-powered trio. <laughs> That's triple-powered re- trio. That's what they call it. it that was redundant, and I kind of said that already. And I'm communicating the same thing over and over again. There's three of them. One of them is Shaquille O'Neal's character, John Henry Irons. Uh, the second one is a woman named Sparks. She goes by Sparky. And the third one is Judd Nelson's character, Lieutenant Nathaniel Burke, ma'am. And John... Um, Just for the record, it's not a trio, triple trio. What did you just call it? A trio of trespassers. Triforce trio. Okay, I wish. Shanley said Triforce trio. I love that. What did you call the weapon? I didn't call the weapon. I was talking about the group. Oh, I thought you were talking about the weapon because it has like the three three different functions. No, no, no. You're you're interrupting my my perfect summary, Jim. Yeah, and by the way, I thought you were doing a summary. I am, and it sounds more like you're doing a shot for shot breakdown. No, I'm I'm, I'm starting (laughs) slow, and then I'm gonna pew and just like. Um. Well, we need. We need to know what happens in the beginning to know where we're headed. I guess both in this movie and psychologically. Okay, so the main weapons designers are really John Henry and Sparky. And John Henry has a passion for making non-lethal weapons. He makes a sonar cannon or a sonic cannon that 
is meant to just blow down a wall of a building, but Judd Nelson's character, who wants to push the envelope, he turns it up onto high, it blows up the entire building, kills a senator, and has a giant stone fall on Sparky. Okay, so that's all you need to know for the beginning. Fast forward, Judd Nelson gets dishonorably discharged. John Henry Irons, that's Shaquille O'Neal's character, decides to not continue in the military because his tour was over, and Sparky ends up paralyzed. John goes back to his home in L.A., and he wants to help support the inner-city youth. He he wants to help stop crime and gang activity, but then he starts to see that gangs in his in his neighborhood have these high-tech weapons that remind him of the weapons that he was developing in the army and he realizes that the weapons are on the street and so he tries to notify the army they're not listening and so he teams up with his friend Sparky to develop a superhero suit where he's gonna clean up the streets and get these weapons off the streets and that is steel in a steel nutshell if you will you see how perfect that summary was? Seamless. That was pretty good, actually. And I'm very impressed at your ability to get wheel in as as much as you can. <laughs> it looks like Jimmy came on something, and I really want to know what he found. Sorry, I was, I've seen the movie so many times that I kind of tuned out your summary. But I was trying to pull up all of my tabs that I had from our last recording. And I pulled up a new one this time, the Rotten Tomatoes page for this. And in the midst of comedic reviews from critics on here, there's one that is, quote, not available from Emmanuel Levy at EmmanuelLevy.com. And I laughed at that. I thought that was good, pretty entertaining. That is entertaining. It's like, what a great review. He gave it two out of five stars. I want to know what he thought of it, but unfortunately, it's unavailable. It's unavailable. If if one of our myriad of listeners out there is Emmanuel Levy, let us know what you said. Go back through your archives. Bring it back to us. Can I read one other one to you real quick, just while I'm here? Okay. Um, Sean P. Means from Film.com, who's a top critic, says, Steel isn't a movie to excite or even entertain. It exists to move merchandise. Specifically, Shaquille O'Neal's oversized physique and marketing machine. I don't think they Clever. moved much merchandise from this. I don't think so. I think this movie exists for no reason. I, it's a bad movie. But let, now that I've given my perfect summary, now we can start talking about it. Who wants to go first? You in the front row. Yeah, you with your hand up. Go ahead. Me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I never get picked for these. <laughs> um, this movie sucked. This is the worst. I require elaboration. Okay. Um, well, so first off, something that I noticed on my third viewing. Did I mention <laughs> that I've seen this three times yet? Um, something that I noticed is the first 30 minutes of this hour and a half movie should have taken like an hour at least. Because we don't develop any connection with any of the characters. All of a sudden we're just kind of thrown into this nonsense plot. 28 minutes into the movie, what's his name? Judd Nelson, the bad guy? Lieutenant Nathaniel Berkman. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Nathaniel Berkman. No, it's just Burke, but he says ma'am. Burke, ma'am. He's he's talking to the senator. Burke, ma'am. He's already working for 
Big Willie at Dantastic, his childhood friend who happens to be also in the arms dealing world, Mm -hmm. but in a completely different sector than he was. He's already working for him. He's already injuring employees that are weapons testers in the arcade machine warehouse. He's already killing employees at that location in the elevator. There's like so many things that are already happening 28 minutes into this. It's, it should have taken a long time. There should have been a build. There's no twists. Like everything's just unearned, you know? Mm-hmm. This is rough. It was. And then, and then the second part, the last hour of the film, should have probably taken like 20 minutes. Okay. Like they really drag out all of his unimpressive superhero antics. <laughs> and it was just it, it, everything about this is bad. I don't know. I'm sure once we get going here, I'm going to have to jump in a million times with things that outrage me. But um, I'm overwhelmed currently. It's just I. This is the wrong choice. The wrong choice for what? To, for for everything for making for watching three times we should have just taken it as a sign from the universe that we weren't meant to record this podcast and just pretended like this spin never happened i think that it's very important that we watch this a third time because they say third time's the charm right and so and so i haven't seen it a third time so you're living in the charmed life, the semi-charmed kind of life, if you right. will. This is a situation where I'm going to tell you the grass is not greener on this side. So I shouldn't watch it a third Stay time. Stay in the perfect fantasy world of yesteryear for me, where I had only seen this twice. That was the place to be. Mm-hmm. That was that's. Oh, if I could go back, boy, I'll tell you what. Well, so one thing I didn't cover in my exquisite summary was the rise of the villain of this story, Lieutenant Nathaniel Burke, played by the Breakfast Club's own Judd Nelson. So he has this sort of dark side of ambition. He wants to impress the senator, and so he he does this, he makes this terrible mistake where he blows up the building, and he, sure, he accidentally kills someone and accidentally paralyzes his friend. Happens. And then... Upon the second time viewing this, I think he intentionally goes to Los Angeles because Shaq's character testified against him. And so he goes to L.A. to introduce the weapons there to, like, screw up his neighborhood. So as as Jimmy brought up, he goes and meets this guy named Big Willie Daniels. And what what's Big Willie Daniels like, guys? What's your impression of Big Willie Daniels? So he is supposed to be a villain. And he just really, like, looking at him... You're like, yeah, that makes sense. This guy is up to no good. Um, He wears a suit, but has like really long, greasy, blonde hair. Mm. And I feel like his face, like... It's a a ghoulish face. But I feel like there's always a a certain expression on it that I can't really put a word on it. That's just like, hmm, I don't trust this guy. Okay, stop me when I get close to it. Scowl constipation revenge evil manipulation um he looks like a cross between joffrey baratheon and filch from the harry potter films 
He's like, if Joffrey was going to grow up to be Filch... I don't know what that is. This is what the 25 to 30-year-old would look like. What's Joffrey? Joffrey Baratheon is the most evil character ever portrayed on HBO. Oh, is, is this a Game of Thrones thing? Yes. Well, that's super cool. It but is very cool. I know you're it? a hipster, so you like to act like... I'm you not a hipster. Care. You are one, and you like to act like you're too cool for things like Game of Thrones in your room with multiple Batmobiles nailed to the wall. Uh, uh, but Game they, of Thrones is amazing. I wouldn't nail them to the wall because then I couldn't take them down to play with them. Okay, well, they're, they're hung attached. from nails on the wall. That's closer. All right. So, anyways, watch it's an Game of Thrones push and then be mad at the end of it. But that's exact. That's a dead-on description of this guy. He kind of reminds me of uh, Bootstrap Bill. In what way? He's got kelp-like hair. Okay. So, hey, listeners, let us know which one of those descriptions is better. Because okay, let me step <laughs> it up. Bootstrap Bill mixed with Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings and Two Towers. I won this so <laughs> so good, dude. Like, I mine's way better. It's awesome. Yeah, I think just overall, if I had to describe his look, it's just weaselly. Like, just completely oh. untrustworthy. Is he the kind of guy that you believe runs a legitimate video game conglomerate? No. Oh. Obviously, there's some shady business going on there. Well, he has found the most 90s evil plot, which is hiding AR-15s in Mortal Kombat machines. Let's not disparage AR-15s. He's hiding bazookas in there. He's putting Sonic Eliminators, maybe. I don't think he's putting those in there. I think I saw AK-47s. I don't know what kind of weapons he's putting in there, but can we just say, like, they show an empty box, which is, like, the back of the arcade game, and they're just kind of taping in, like, three (laughs) guns, and then, like, yep. That's it. That's all that can fit in there. And your guy, though the writer of the Underworld series, oh, uh, he's yes. he's in there instructing a youth. Okay, so first off, let me just he's in there like they do like a pan across the warehouse, and he's like teaching a young twenty-two year old, maybe like eighteen year old, but somewhere in there, how to duct tape a gun inside of an arcade cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I don't think that he needs your help, guy. Like. <laughs> If he can't figure that out on his own, maybe find someone else. Like it's not it's not that challenging of a job. But the structure of Dantastic is fascinating. So this young man, like these guys are all military people that we start with in the beginning, Nathaniel and John and the Sparky. other person who we should stop calling Sparky because she also has a name and deserves the respect of using it. Susan um, Sparks Annabeth Gish. Okay, yeah. Susan? Susan. <laughs> so, so all of them are young, like, military professionals. This guy's a contemporary of Nathaniel's. He's also in his probably mid-20s or so, 30. And he is, like, running a huge operation in downtown Los Angeles that is both a arcade like on the st- like storefront level. That's right. And then also is selling arcade cabinets to other places like Century Theaters, I assume. But they're doing so much business that they also can smuggle guns to people inside of arcade cabinets. Like arcade cabinets are expensive and it's 
a ridiculous, horribly inconvenient thing to receive a delivery, like try to be inconspicuous with your illegal gun purchases. But being like, oh no, we're just getting we're just getting many arcade machines. Does every gang or criminal enterprise have to run an arcade now so that it's not suspicious that they're getting dantastic deliveries every couple of weeks? This was just a few years away from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Jim. That was an entire crime syndicate that meant in an arcade and a skateboard ramp. That still makes more sense than what Dan Tassik's doing. No, but I mean, that's like that's the kind of gang that buys these machines and then boom, they're armed, baby. Yeah, but that's one gang. Not every gang can do that. What about the Purple Marks? Let's the talk Purple about Marks the Marks. don't even have an arcade. <laughs> can you explain to us who the Marks are? Yeah, I didn't. So I'm proud of you because I didn't know on my second watching of this film that <laughs> that was the name of the gang. I thought, silly me, I didn't realize that a gang that wears purple would also call themselves the Marks. I thought that that sounds like too silly. So when they're robbing the bank in the first criminal act with the illegal military weapons that Nathaniel designed for Dantastic, the gang is breaking in and their leader, who has an eye patch and never wears regular clothes. His name is Slats, and he's uh, played by Hill Harper. Yeah. Who so you may know from the movie Skulls. No one knows him from anything. Skulls. Yeah, okay. So he is screaming incessantly during the entire robbery. Woohoo! Yeah, baby! Marks, son! Marks! Slats, <laughs> baby! Show Slats the money! <laughs> and he does not stop talking. And it's insane. It's like, stop saying your name. Stop yelling your gang name. Like, go in and get the money and leave. This guy's ridiculously unprofessional. He's already got an eye patch on. Like, how hard is it going to be for the police to figure out, all right, we're looking for a guy with one eyeball who is named Slats and is probably a part of the Marks. That's like, right. It's, a, it's, it's ridiculous. They work into the story because Nathaniel Burke. They're the gang in john's neighborhood in downtown la right and dantastic is a place that hires at-risk youth to keep them away from gang activity but in reality they're just a like actual job that gang members can have where they're a part of this gun smuggling business and branching out into the sales of this new equipment that is non-lethal but but also super lethal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, let, let's talk about how the gang using the guns crosses paths with John for the first time. So John is in a cop car with uh, Officer Nina and his little brother. We, Ray J. Yeah, his little brother Ray J. I think is his name Martin? I think his name is Martin in this. Wow. Shanley, did you know his name is Martin? Yes, I knew his name was Martin because I watched the movie. Okay. That tone is absurd. Because <laughs> I've watched you watch, end quotes for the listener. I've watched you watch movies constantly in the 15-ish years that we've known each other. And you never know anyone's name. There's no way that you should know that. Do you have a crush on Ray J? Are we discovering something about you right now? Shanley, do you have a crush on Are Ray J? Are you a we Ray need to J know. fan? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I am. Okay, well now now it's our turn. Are you, Do you have a crush on Ray J, Jimmy? Uh, yes, but only because of the innovations he's made in the earbud world. Mm. Like, you gotta respect that, you know? I mean, this episode has not been brought to you by Raycon. 
Yeah, but, but it could it's be. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> okay, now I should come out and say it. I don't not have a crush on Ray J, okay? I mean, have you seen the tape, Matt? I know that's not really your forte. <laughs> no, I have boy's not. got skills. <laughs> I have not. I think I... Was he on an episode of Moesha? I know he's Brandy's little brother. Wasn't there a song where they said, Hey, ain't that Brandy's brother? It was a Ray J song, I think. He said that in his own song? I think I think it's in one of his own songs, but it's like a girl saying that. Hey, ain't that Brandy's brother? Yeah, and he, he had no idea that she was going to say that. He was probably really embarrassed. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he... John is in the car with Officer Nina and Brother Martin, and they're driving... Uh, to like a town hall meeting is that what that is yeah so he's trying to set aside his military job because he's disillusioned with how even though his friend got hurt and everything bad happened during the weapons test because of nathaniel he is like they still want to pursue this technology and i don't want to be a part of anyone getting hurt he goes home his brother is at risk for being pulled into this gang life but and he so, thus far is not. And he says, quote unquote, I'd just be chilling. So he's not involved with gangs. Martin, just be chilling. Yeah, Continue. as it should be. And so, and this is only something you can gain from multiple watchings. They're going to this to try to get Martin involved in fixing the community as okay. a way of pulling him away from the risks of being involved in gang life. Okay. Because they don't ever really say that. It's kind of so rushed. Again, we're like eight minutes into the movie at this point. <laughs> and um, he is, and everything's got like these weird jokes over it. Like the first thing that happens in the cop car is they're in a cop car with no explanation of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the police woman who's Officer driving. Officer Nina. She looks at Shaquille O'Neal and says, do you remember the last time we were in this car? And he super awkwardly does like a shush and then like a throat like cut it kind of gesture mm-hmm. and then they both like start giggling i think he even does like a thumb point back to his brother too so he does like three different hand gestures and then like they start laughing implying that they've gotten freaky in the back of the cop car i don't buy that he's yeah, very he he's a very large man it's impossible he can barely sit in that well, maybe he was really small back then maybe it was when he was like a child <laughs> Oh, jeez. I'm not... I didn't write this movie, Matt. Who did write this movie? Uh, some idiot. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Kenneth Johnson, and he did his research. Yeah, so that's what I was trying to pull up earlier. So, <laughs> so Kenneth Johnson, the director of Xenon, Girl of the 21st First, Century, yeah. he wrote this, and he was originally uninterested in doing a f- superhero movie. But when it was described to him as being a knight in shining armor in a contemporary setting by the producer Joel Simon, he removed the cape from the costume and was like, oh, okay, now I'm into it. This is going to be exciting. (laughs) Um, Which obviously, yes, we have to get in on this costume. Sure. So then he's like going over his script writing and he decides to go take a copy of it to South Central LA and spend the day with a group of kids (laughs) to make sure that like the language is more believable. And I'm guessing that's where he got 
the dialogue that Slats has uh, going on, which was dead accurate for oh, yeah. like urban I mean, youths you, you, in the you've 90s. Spent, you spent a lot of time in LA the last few years. Did you see a lot of people saying Marx, baby Marx? You know, not anymore. Uh, I think that they that gang's kind of faded out of prominence. Yeah. But the style of wearing a weird, like, bondage leather X <laughs> on your torso, and then, like, high-waisted hammer pants mm-hmm. uh, with, like, a glittery eye patch. Yeah. Uh, that's still really in. Is it? Yeah. And, I'm glad. Uh, you know, there's some aesthetic styles that just are timeless yeah they they never fall out of vogue and that's one of them i'm gonna get i've got an eye patch coming sometime soon if you guys can keep an, an eye out for it. <laughs> oh. any thoughts there shanley i i'm still stuck on the keeping an eye out for that package <laughs> okay so we're, we're on the, the first night so officer nina has just implied that she and shack have Gone, gotten freaky in a cop car and a voice comes over the radio that says like all units uh there's a possible whatever the code is robbery in progress at this bank and she says i'm on it requesting backup like why is she requesting backup <laughs> they've already said everybody in the area go to it she's got two civilians in the car one of them is a minor and she's driving straight to an armed robbery in progress and she's on the freeway like you see downtown Los Angeles in the distance. She's definitely not like the closest cop from she's outside of downtown. Like there's really no other cops in downtown LA already. Jimmy, there is when she gets there, there's already one police yeah, officer, one police officer without a partner. <laughs> That's insane. Jeez. So this movie's so bad. They get there and something explodes and the police officer who's there, he, kind of like flies and uh he he's on the floor pretty dead and Shaq gets out of the police car goes over to him and says lay down stay still <laughs> like this guy this guy's dead dude like that's, that's, there's no need to say anything like that he's he's done he's out he's not moving yeah that was ridiculous and then we get treated to seeing some of the the full might of this advanced weapon technology because they finally switch when the gang starts the robbery they use the like sonic eliminator setting okay that breaks the windows of the bank then they switch to the laser gun mhm which burns a hole like a lightsaber through the steel door they're shooting the- it from like 200 yards away from the vault and they do like a perfect like upside down u yeah, it like looks, it's, yeah, it's like a it's like a mouse hole in the cartoon. Yeah. It's like a wealthy person's front door. That's right. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> ridiculous. And also, when they're doing that, they keep cutting back to the laser gun, and it's not moving at all. And they cut back to the door, and it's like a big giant arch. Is, yeah. It's like yeah, they did not film that knowing that that's what that was supposed to be doing. Then we don't get to see the third setting of the gun, which is really exciting. What is the third uh, setting? That comes out once Shaq is there. They start firing the like sparkly flare gun oh, setting right. at them, which like looks like just a sparkly beanbag. Like <laughs> it's like a little like sparkly firework. That's and gonna be my my dancer go, oh, stage and, like, name, by the way. 
Sparkly beanbag. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. <laughs> Sparkly beanbag. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's my favorite setting because they should just use regular guns. <laughs> it, it's a, it's so stupid. Like, why is that part of it? And they miss Shaq, and they hit the police car. Oh, do they hit it with a sonic blast? I don't know what they hit it with. Because it flips over. Jump on that, Jim. What do you think? Yeah, I've seen this three times, and I don't know. <laughs> but there's so much going on. Uh, but I think they do hit it with a sonic blast. Oh, oh, you know what? They definitely do. Because I remember the third viewing. Uh, <laughs> now, you only catch this three when times. you see it the third time. <laughs> What's his name? Deep Voice, the guy from Underworld writing. Fame. Yeah, so his character name is Singer, and his real name is Kevin... Oh, dear. I don't know if I'm... His real name is Kevin. <laughs> and... Wait, no. It's like... Oh, Grivio no G. It's, it's got a guy. French no name. Jim, help me out. And Shanley, you guys help me out. That G R E V I O U X. Oh, I'm terrible. Grivio. Oh, Gr- see that? Something see how like it's that? done? Thank you, French. Yeah. Hopefully that's correct. Yeah, he's the creator of Underworld. He wrote, and I don't. I, he may have directed the first Underworld, and uh, he acts in it. He plays a lichen. He's got an immensely deep voice the deepest voice known to mankind or wolf mankind when he's in this movie he's the muscle but there's no evidence that that's true he doesn't do anything muscly except for in this moment when he's like leading the marks on this bank robbery the cop is like calling for backup or doing something useless and he says something along the lines of like Nice try, sugar, or something like that. He calls her sugar. Yeah, can you give that again? (laughs) Nice try, sugar. And then he hits the sonic blast button off the front of the car, and it flips over the cop car, knocking it into a fire hydrant. So it starts spraying water out, but the car catches on fire. And (laughs) Shaq goes to help, and Ray J says, No, John, the fire. (laughs) As if, like, the fact that the car is partially on fire, like, barely. It's, like, the tiniest fire ever. You call that a fire? Please, don't come at me with that. Yeah, ridiculous, Martin. But he goes running over anyways, despite Martin's stern warning Mm. of the fire. And he pulls uh, Nina to safety, and then the car blows up. Shaq gets blown away by that. He gets, yeah, blown away in this ridiculous, terribly acted like he just like kneels to the ground and like gently lowers her to the pavement it's like he did a horrible job doing that but i mean he's like 18 feet tall so (laughs) i kind of understand it but i know shanley was pretty upset when he just like pulled her from the car upside down well yeah it seemed like that was probably not what you do in that situation like she she could have had like a spinal injury He's like and he just, at her. yeah, he literally just pulled her right out. And like, <laughs> By that her arms. That did not look yeah. safe. Um, I feel like I read that they couldn't find a stunt double for him. Because, you know, there was probably not another seven foot man walking around able to do that. So he did his own stunts and what a great job he did. Can, can we just take a second and focus on what a terrible cop Nina is? In order for this situation to pan out as... 
as it did, she had to let her civilian ex-lover run out first and then a minor leave the car. She tells him not to get out and he does and she stays in the car to radio for backup, even though the dispatch has already told everybody, all units in the area come to the bank that's being robbed, you know, the one bank, and she's just sitting in there. She's a terrible cop. Maybe, but also everyone in this movie is terrible at what they do. But then we get to the chase where the gang escapes after John Henry has to worry about Officer Nina, but they leave behind the guy who I think is Martin's friend, right? I don't know. His name's Cutter. Yeah, at this point, we are about 35 minutes into the movie. If even that. Maybe. And we get a 10-minute chase. A jogging chase. Where Shaq is running as fast as humanly possible. For himself. For himself, which is like a gentle jog for like a toddler. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a leisurely stroll. I think it starts with him looking down at Nina, being very upset that she's hurt. And I think he gazes up dramatically and goes... It's on now or something. Yep. Like he that. does say it's on now. That's what he said. So he leaves his 15 year old brother with a, a dying police officer. Yeah. Leaving. <laughs> look, he's leaving his brother who is like the appropriate age for this gang outside of a robbed bank with a possibly dead cop and another cop. who We don't know what the extent of her injuries are. And we're just hoping that like the other cops are going to show up and be like, okay, well. This kid obviously did you're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much fire there. There's fire everywhere. It's the most dangerous situation to leave a child in. Yeah, like he'll figure it out. But so so John Henry decides that the most important thing for him to do at this moment is to chase down the final bank robber. And so he goes on this ridiculously long chase that ends up about the length that it should be at its longest. Is when they get to a like train, train yard, yard, yeah, where then we have to deal with at least the same amount of time of them awkwardly running in between trains that are stopped and trains that are slowly moving and linking, yeah, to each and other. connecting, and it's just insane. And it's supposed to be suspenseful, but it isn't. And the entire chase, Shaq is running like a man who needs to go get to a toilet immediately <laughs> but is scared of going too fast because then he might lose control so it's just like awkwardly hurried pace of mm. like a waddle it's a shuffle it's yeah. it's it's so painful to watch and to like try to take this seriously as the birth of a superhero <laughs> and when he finally is about to catch the guy cutter uses the gun finally to sonic blast one of the trains over onto John Henry. And he has the time to look up, recognize that this train car is falling onto him, lay flat on the ground, and roll at least four times (laughs) to line himself up with the open train door so that he doesn't get smashed. It's it's like the uh, Weird Al Amish Paradise music video where they lower the house on him and and he's standing in the doorway and it falls down. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I would have said like Abu at the end of Aladdin. That happens to Abu at the end yeah, of Aladdin? Yeah, when the weird tower is rolling down the hill in the snow. In the snow. Oh. Um, or also in Psych It Happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's in the opening credits, I yeah. think, for a while. Yeah. But yeah. So he does one of those. But it's so stupid. 
like how long does it take for a train to get blasted over and fall like not enough time for Shaq to lay down flat and then roll four times that shouldn't (laughs) it seems like he could have just walked away then at that point (laughs) yeah he totally could have he could have he could have rolled backwards and been out of range (laughs) it's crazy yeah, it, it it fell slower than a Jenga tower. It was it was just teetering. We're all waiting for Shaq in this movie, trains included. Yeah, and um, you know who also is waiting for Shaq? Cutter. He stays yeah. there for the entire time just to see how this goes. Yeah, <laughs> and then when Shaq finally catches him, he tries to tough talk him super awkwardly because Shaq's trying to be like mean and intimidating but he's also supposed to be this like gentle giant who like doesn't want to hurt anyone so he's like awkwardly just like don't give me any of that mess and it's like it doesn't sound hostile or intimidating at all it's just ridiculous and it's not working on Cutter cuz Cutter's yeah, telling him to raise up yeah he's t- I don't know what that <laughs> means a lot of people say that in that movie it's after and Shaq has his gun oh, Shaq yeah. is holding the gun and yelling at Cutter and this young teenage boy who's easily four feet shorter than Shaq <laughs> is just like not intimidated at all. And then Slats comes out of nowhere. Sneaks up behind Shaq. And shoots him with the flare setting. Why didn't he just kill him? Because Boom, end of the movie. This this technology is so it's too powerful to kill people. <laughs> shoots cotton balls. Yeah. <laughs> so Shaq falls down. And he realizes, like, dude, these guns are in the street. So he calls uh, his former general or whatever. I don't know what his ranking is, but whoever he's a, he was his superior in the military. And he's calling him from a payphone, and he's telling him that their weapons are on the street. And Jimmy, you impressively knew the name of the gun. Do you still have that in your mind? Yo, you mean the USR <laughs> Model 3.5 Sonic Eliminator? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, of course I know it. Wow. You delivered that at least as good as Jack does in this angry conversation <laughs> he has from a payphone. And you pointed this out. He's calling the general's Humvee phone. Yeah, the general is in a Humvee on a car phone. <laughs> and Shaq knows that number still to call it from a payphone. And he's like... Oh, you didn't tell the the general dude is like you didn't tell the police uh, about the gun, did you? And he's like, "Of course not. I know this is top secret technology that we can't tell them about." Mm, G14 and, classified. And then he says, "What are we going to do about this? There's gangs walking around out here with the USR Model 3.5 Sonic Eliminator." <laughs> and the general goes, "Whoa, hey, whoa. Are you on a secure line right now?" And Shaq <laughs> says, what difference does that make? It's like, you know what difference it makes. You just told him that you wouldn't tell the cops about it because it's top secret. Now you're saying who cares if we're on a secure line? Like, pick a lane, Shaq. Mm. But all that matters is that he's upset at the end of this phone call. Tells the general that he can't understand anything with his head so far up his butt. Does he say butt? I think he says the A word. Maybe. I don't know. It seems like his character wouldn't say a bad word, but I'm not sure. Mm. But either way, it doesn't matter because all that matters is he slams the phone down and, <laughs> and then the it phone. breaks the like whole like Box. device. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing falls okay. off of the stand that it's attached to. 
and a car alarm starts yeah. and there's not a car parked a, next to it it's the car alarm inside the payphone <laughs> it's and 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 a pedestrian walking by stops walking and stares at the broken payphone I, trying to figure out what we're trying to figure out yeah i'd like to think that the pedestrians on the same train of thought of what why is that the noise that's happening why right now there, why is there a car alarm inside this payphone that's really good and so Shaq is like, dude, the only thing that I can do is I can't tell the police because this is top secret. I tried to tell the general. I called his Humvee phone. You know, it's the most it's the most urgent way to get a hold of a general. You call his Humvee phone. That didn't work. I'm going to take this matter into my own frying pan size hands. But he can't do it alone. He needs Susan Sparks. He needs to touch his index finger against the index finger of his intellectual partner susan sparks oh my god while we're on susan sparks we need to go back to shanley's favorite moment of the entire film that we somehow missed over when before shaq comes back to los angeles after i think shanley wants to take it from the beginning go ahead (laughs) shanley make it let her rip okay so (laughs) she's so happy right now Upon, like, our multiple viewings, I feel like every time... Because I actually did see that scene three times. Good for you. Even though I fell asleep through the first full viewing. It was great. And I think we even rewound a few times. So (laughs) I've seen the scene quite a few times. And it is easily my favorite part of the film. Um, Anyways. So Sparks was injured in that beginning demonstration for the weapon and um so john goes to visit her in the hospital and she's like yep i'm gonna come visit you out in la as soon as i'm up and walking and then (laughs) it pans over to the nurse who just looks up makes eye contact with john and just shakes her head like no (laughs) fat chance (laughs) like that and not only just like shaking her head it it like quick cuts over to this doctor as soon as she says that like when i'm back on my feet i'll come visit you in la hard cut to the doctor who's looking down at a clipboard or something like looks up startled and makes eye contact with Shaq, and then is like Mm-mm. like <laughs> nope like oh she's like I, I i thought someone already told her like this isn't happening like <laughs> it's so brutal and i don't know why they thought that was the way to show that it's so hilarious i don't think they even needed to do that because at that point they already uh said that she had severe spinal problems and so like they didn't have to do that at all but I think they just wanted a really mean doctor there. <laughs> they just wanted to really kick her while she's down, you know? Yeah, that's right. They didn't need to do almost anything in this movie. <laughs> they didn't need to do um, this movie. Yeah, they lost $15 totally million dollars because they chose to do this movie. Yeah, Quincy Jones messed up. So John Henry needs his partner to, to do this. So he calls the VA hospital where she's staying. And he's calling from his work. He's now working at a steel mill where... His job is to hit things with a hammer as really attractive, like, fly girls from a living color just periodically walk by in hard hats and look at his butt. And we only see this <laughs> happening for, like, ten seconds. Like, it does, like, the weirdest cut to that. And it plays his song that he recorded for this movie. It was so hard to find that 
because I shazammed it like 10 times and it wouldn't come up. Uh, but what was it called? Dang it. I don't have that up. I'm like, I had so many tabs last time. And it's, killing me. it's called like party in the city Superman remix or something crazy like that. Was I close? <laughs> I looked up steel soundtrack and the first video that comes up is man of steel deluxe edition from Hans Zimmer. And I was like, <gasps> was he involved in this? But Did yeah, Hans Zimmer score steel? <laughs> so the song is called straight playing. superman Um, remix right straight playing superman remix is correct yeah i did Um, it and i really liked it because it has like a roger and zap kind of like talk box box vibe it's like very like g-funk and i was super into it i i think i know the lyrics the opening in talk box are you gonna pull up the lyrics i i i I know it also but i'm gonna verify okay i think it's I love the west side. I like to boogie whenever Superman is in the house. Is that it? Uh, yeah, that's correct. But I'm scrolling <laughs> through these lyrics and they're like, I'm scrolling for pages and it's, oh my God. So, so okay, look at this. This is all the oh, lyrics. Oh dear. That's all the lyrics. And down here at the very end. So, so the last three like uh what's it called when stanzas i guess yeah the last three stanzas go rock on baby (laughs) rock on baby oh yeah rock on and on oh yeah i love superman i love superman i love superman i love superman i love the west side it's time to party oh it's time to party whenever superman is in the house i love the east side it's time to party whenever superman is in the house yeah so that is it sounds way better it does when he's doing it's crazy how good it sounds Shaq's not a bad rapper in this yeah also you Um, shouldn't have shazammed it you should have kazammed it dude i wish i could (laughs) have um we're building a pretty good rolodex of great soundtrack songs We've yeah, got Straight Goth- Playing Superman Remix, Gotham City, Gotham City and from the Ghetto, <laughs> and the Pet Cemetery song from the Ramones. Oh, yeah. Wow. Doesn't really fit, but I am excited for when we can release the mixtape. <laughs> the Weekly Watch Wheel mixtape is going to be off the hook. Is the, what is it called? Straight Plan? Is that it? Straight Plan Superman Remix? Yeah. Is that better than Gotham City? City yes. of Justice. It's yeah. better. I mean, it's more fun. Mm. You know, I'm not. I'm not like a laid back like R&B guy. I'm a like party G funk bounce guy. You know. Mm. So that's, that's the vibes that I want to have. And you have that tattoo that says "I love Superman." I love Superman. Yeah. I love Superman. Rock on, baby. Yeah. Uh huh. On your lower back. Yeah, and I'm gonna get. And it continues Shaq's down to your Man of buttock. Steel tattoo on my left bicep. Let's not talk about that yet. We're gonna, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So he calls up Sparky, or he calls up the VA hospital where she's staying, and they say, no, she's not here anymore. And he says, where is she? And they don't say, who are you? We can't release that information. Uh, she is ex-military. We have a lot of privacy restrictions. They go, oh, she's at this hospital. I'll send you the address. Yeah, we moved her to St. Louis for some reason. (laughs) 
And so Shaq goes straight there. Yeah, straight to St. Louis, busts in, criticizes that his tax money is not being used properly because the windows are dirty. And she she's staring at the filthy windows, and she's uh, got, like, no focus in her eyes. I thought she went blind <laughs> because she's got this vacant look in her face. And, like, he's talking to her, and she's just staring forward. And it looks like she's blind, but she's not blind. She's just she's just acting. <laughs> and then uh, he says, I'm sorry. I know what you're going through. And Shanley, you liked his an- her answer to that. I can't remember. What was it? <laughs> she says, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's the logical answer, but I thought it'd be something a little more. I don't know. He says, I know what you're going through. She goes, no, you don't. And he goes, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, she says, it's okay. Stuff happens. And kind of like giggles cynically about it. And then, um, I don't know, does he tell her that she needs to come help him? And that she says like, I have no help to anybody or something something like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The, something like that I happens. need to know how it escalates because it escalates quickly. I think that's basically the gist of it. Do you have any evidence otherwise? Yeah. So there's something like that. And he just can't take the rejection. <laughs> so he goes to the windows and he breaks the windows open. And then the, the sun and the wind shines through and she has like this epiphany moment. And it's like... Oh, there's sunshine and wind. Yeah. And then uh, he says, you're coming with me. She says, no, I'm not. And she doesn't just say no, I'm not. She like screams like, no, I'm not going. Don't touch me. Get away from me. (laughs) This woman in a wheelchair in the hospital. A man who no one in this building has ever seen before just came in out of nowhere. She had an awkward conversation with him. Screamed no several times. Yeah, he just broke some windows. Yeah, he just she just shattered the windows <laughs> in the building. <laughs> so then, of course, the logical next step is John Henry picks up her wheelchair <laughs> and walks out. That shit happens. Yeah, and he says, this is a perfect example of stuff happening. And then carries her around. She's saying, no. And he says it with the best eyebrow acting I think I've ever seen. Really? Oh, you didn't notice? Oh. I noticed it on my second viewing. <laughs> yeah. His eyebrows are so active. They're like moving like four mm. inches up and down the whole time. Like a lie detector test. <laughs> I'm proud that first viewing. That just got wow. me. Yeah. Good job, Shanley. You noticed <laughs> them brows. <laughs> I was on it. And And so she's protesting, screaming no. And he carries her in her wheelchair out of the building. Against her will. Against her will. I don't think they stopped to get any of her possessions, any of her belongings. (laughs) And then everyone else is like actively cheering and clapping, like standing ovation and happy that this is happening. Like what? Yeah, every... I don't know if like the set designer really understood what the, this was supposed to be a VA hospital, but everybody in there is like catatonic and crazy, but they, they're like talking to themselves or staring at the walls or playing cards. And then they look up from their cards. Yeah, it's like one flew over the cuckoo's. It is. It is a lot like that. <clears throat> or the, the institution that Keenan and Cal get put into in Good yes. Burger. <laughs> uh-huh. 
George Clinton's in there. <laughs> and Linda Cardellini. Yep. And everybody looks up from their card games or from their conversation with the wall and starts clapping. And then there's like this elderly couple who walks into the room as he's carrying her out. And they get caught up too. They didn't see any of the things that were happening, but they start clapping too. Yeah, they you know? seem confused at first. And they like look around and they're just like, eh. Yeah, we walked into like a flash mob. into it. They're just like, I guess... <laughs> And then just clap, clap, clap. <laughs> oh man! And he, he, I guess puts her on an airplane because because yeah. they he takes her to a junkyard. Yep. He says, "This is your new home." <laughs> he wheels her in, and he. <laughs> I don't think we've been to the junkyard yet. I think this is our introduction. Also. Yeah, and our and... introduction to the character, the Lord of the Junkyard. <laughs> well, so before we meet the Lord of the Junkyard, we see Shaq wheeling Sparky into this junkyard and a super friendly happy little golden retriever comes running up and not even running just like slowly kind of like you know walking on sauntering yeah sauntering is perfect and Shaq says oh this is lily she doesn't bite like (laughs) yeah no shit like (laughs) It's the least bite-looking dog I've ever it's seen in very my life. Pleasant animal. It didn't come up aggressive in any way. They couldn't have done like they pull up to a junkyard and she's like, "Where the hell are you taking me?" And there's like a dog like snarling and biting, and he's like, "Oh, that's Lily. She has a bite." And then say hi, Lily, and then the dog's happy. Like that would make some kind of sense, you uh, know? Yeah. Just like, oh, she acts mean, but it's like a friendly dog. Nope, this dog is the least threatening dog in the entire world. <laughs> And he still says a stupid line. Like, it's things like that moment that make me go, man, like, the director really didn't understand what the writer was going for here. But or the, something. But the writer is but the director. But it's the same person. <laughs> the writer is the director. So this, there's no denial that this is his, his perfect creation of this film. This is what he was going for. And then, uh... <laughs> so... To reassure her that he's brought her to the right place, the, a junkyard in on the other side of the country. He takes her to this like uh, workbench, and he says it's a work in progress. And he goes, "But look!" And he opens the door. And there's revealing, a bathroom. There's a bathroom. Oh with, yeah, I forgot about this <laughs> with ADA railings. And he goes, "Look." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't know if that was what the intention was, or if we're just more sensitive to that because we happened to be in an ADA compliant unit. Yes, our, our apartment is an ADA unit with extremely low counters and a lot of rails. <laughs> yeah, our bathroom looks almost identical to the one in the movie where yeah, you all guys the have rails, a junkyard bathroom. We have, <laughs> we have a bench in the tub. Um, our front door has a second lower peephole. It does. <laughs> but not the bathroom door. Not the bathroom door. <laughs> that would be funny. Though. That would be weird. It would be weird. Does she say thank you to that? I think she just looks at him like, you, Why what? are we in a junkyard? Yeah. <laughs> I left my identification, my credit cards, everything in my room in St. Louis. And uh, he talks about that the place is run by Uncle Joe. We don't know who Uncle Joe is. We don't know if it's his actual uncle or every clue that we have of what his relationship is with John is undercut by something else. Because Uncle Joe, who's played by Richard Roundtree, famous for playing Shaft. By the way, this movie is hugely inspired by Shaft. 
There's like wah-wah guitars in the background. It's very funky. I think Kenneth Johnson was trying to go for a modern day Shaft. So Shaft himself, Richard Roundtree comes up and he says, hi, I'm Uncle Joe. I'm like, okay, so this is Shaq's uncle. And he says, everybody calls me Uncle Joe. I'm like, okay, so maybe he's not Shaq's uncle. <laughs> Later on in the movie, uh, Sparky says, why are you pushing John so hard? And he goes, because I love him. And then I think, okay, so that's really his uncle. And he goes, and I love you too. And I'm like, no, this guy just, like, who is this guy? <laughs> What's his relationship to anybody in the movie? So Uncle Joe runs this junkyard. And Jimmy, you were a huge fan of his artwork, right? I mean, it makes me think that they might be setting him up to be the villain of the next one. <laughs> It's terrifying. Like, I didn't realize it was a junkyard at first, but they're just panning across this, like, barren wasteland (laughs) with all these, like... It looks like where the Beast lives in Sandlot. Yeah. um, And there's all these weird, like, terrifying sculptures that are, like, sort of human-shaped, but with, like, steel rods coming out of their head that I think are supposed (laughs) to be, like, hair or dreadlocks or something. But they're just, like, pointed in every direction and these, like haunting smiles uh etched onto their faces it's a lot like saw it's terrible it's a creepy creepy place and, and I, it's sparky's new home yeah it's, it's, here you go sparky this is where you're stuck now we locked the gates and uh sparky's still not sold on on helping john uh in this place until uncle joe brings like this ibm computer and he says they told me that it fell off a truck there's a lot of things that can fall off a truck. And then she's interested. She's like, oh, okay. If we're going to be stealing some really cool <laughs> things, then I am in. And she yeah. starts writing a list of all the things that she wants them to steal for her. And, uh, and, then, we, and then we cut over to like, she's like, okay. Like she's accepting her fate as a junkyard lady now. <laughs> and we cut over Mistress to... of the junkyard. <laughs> we cut over to Uncle Joe and John having a private conversation and uncle joe says what's her story and shaq says her father's dead her mother drinks herself in and out of rehab she's got nobody and that's it <laughs> and that's like that's his like the first thing that comes to his head when he's like what's 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 how, her story who is this person that's going to be living in my junkyard now <laughs> she's that's a the brilliant fool. weapons designer she's uh a celebrated yeah whatever His army officer friend. she's my best friend she's brilliant so we many need different her. things that you could go to now let, let me just no. tell you that her personal family history <laughs> upon your first meeting of her yeah i abducted her and i didn't have her permission <laughs> <laughs> to share this private information about her family and also, th- this is what I mean when I said that the first 30 minutes of this movie should have taken at least an hour. We came into Nathaniel and Sparky and John testing weapons, but we never broke down like what their background is on how they've like, if they're like super like, advanced or experienced scientists or like how they, they're involved in this, what their different roles are in weapons design. Right. They, we just have this happening. And even at this point, like, this would have been a great opportunity for Shaq to explain, like, oh, this is what she does. Like, she got a degree in this yeah. and that. And she's. We were at West you know, Point together. Yeah, anything. Yeah. Like, to give her some credibility as, like, this is the person who's basically going to be running my whole superhero program. Operation, here. yeah. But no, the, all we get is just her mom's in rehab and her dad's dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's it. 
there's so much time they could have taken to develop these characters and instead we just get that <laughs> and we get 10 minutes of a chase and we get slats yelling marks baby, purple marks. power baby marks yeah it's crazy so when john gets to his grandma's house odessa the best character she really the is the best sure. character well, I think a little bit of both. I think she is the best actor and the best character. Mm-hmm. But Grandma Odessa. Grandma Odessa lets him know that he has a bunch of messages and calls. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember what he says? She says, who are they anyway? And he goes, probably just a bunch of weapons manufacturers trying to offer me a job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really funny. Lots of great lines like that. So we're 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 pretty close to entering into a superhero technology building montage. But before we do, we have uh, Sparky navigating the rough terrain of a junkyard. <laughs> I mean, oh, she's slipping yeah. and sliding down the dirt, and she's navigating her way through the workshop. That's the work in progress, and she falls out of her chair. Uncle Joe, because he's a sensible human being, wants to go help her because she's only been in a wheelchair for for maybe a couple of months at most. Which Shaq stops him. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. She's got to learn this on her own. Like, what authority does he have in her life to where he needs to decide? But like, no, this is, <laughs> this is the moment where she's got to do this on her own. Good for her. She gathers up her own strength and pulls herself into her chair. And, and Shaq just gives her like a nod of approval. Like, yeah, you did it. I think probably the kind thing to do is to say, Hey, Susan, Sparky, you fallen? Would you like some help? That's probably the polite, kind thing to do, rather than refusing to help. I think that just makes too much sense, though. <laughs> like, this kind of goes along with how he described her story to Uncle Joe. Yeah, It's just like, oh, no, 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 I got this. Nobody does things that make sense in this movie. They only do convoluted, weird things. Well, also, in a moment of writing brilliance, Kenneth Johnson did think to put in the script that before we leave the junkyard, she does say to Shaq, thank you for bringing me here. And thank you for letting me learn to take care of myself and or she something says, like that. She says, thank you for helping me with everything and for not helping me with everything. Yes, something like so that. much better. <laughs> That's exactly it. And it's like, okay, well, at least in this ridiculous universe that he's building, he thought to like have her co-sign on this decision. Maybe Shaq knows her well enough to know that she needs to like do that, that she'll appreciate that kind of tough love i guess i don't know though he's he he really does like take ownership of her he carries her out of her hospital he tells her where she's going to be living doesn't take no for an answer when he recruits her to this illegal operation and then he refuses to let anybody else help her get up from her wheelchair like who are you you're her friend you're not her legal guardian (laughs) i don't know what his deal is yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous um (laughs) Uh, so they're now building the suit and now remember (laughs) they are military grade weapons developers. Uncle Joe can get any, can steal anything. He can steal anything, anything. 
But instead, what they do is they build this weird suit of armor out of junkyard metal. Which I'm assuming... Okay, it's... I think it's wrong for me to assume that Shaq stole these materials. But it's definitely implied that he makes it at his work, right? Oh, no, because they show him... He forges it in the They show him removing his helmet. Yeah, So they have a steel forge at this (laughs) junkyard. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's insane. So he can make guns and things like that, but no, he just makes a suit of armor. And we get the specs for the suit of armor. They say that it is 75 pounds of steel. That's not a lot of steel. That's not enough to withstand the most advanced weaponry known to mankind. And it's not enough to cover Shaquille O'Neal from head to toe. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> that steel has to be very, very like, thin. If you're going to make a, yeah, a, a thin covering for Shaq out of any material... It's going to weigh more than 75 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) So this must be where Kenneth Johnson uh, really did this knight in shining armor thing. But it's not shining. It's oily. It's definitely not shining. (laughs) It's rubbery. It's matted. It's like totally unfinished. And uh, so he's wearing that. And he's also wearing chain mail uh, that doesn't cover the palms of his hands. It's just kind of like swishing, sloshing around inside of the and armor. Yeah, he has a fully exposed neck and chin and lower jaw. So he's he's hammering away. We get we zoom in on that tattoo, that Man of Steel tattoo that looks like a prison tattoo because it's not it's not very well symmetrical. I thought it's, you were going to say it was because he was black, and I was like, "Wow, Matt, that's too far." No. I just mean, like, the font on it is, like, really inconsistent. Some of it's block lettering. Some of it is sharp. It's just very... It's an ugly tattoo. But they I like zoom to in think that. that he got it when he was the size of a normal man. <laughs> and then he just kept growing, and that's why it looks so weird. It does look very weird. <laughs> Maybe it was before he got the super soldier serum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this big suspenseful buildup, and he goes, It's now time for the final piece. And he pulls out of the forge the ugliest helmet anybody has ever made. It's got like these sideburns that jut out away from his face. It kind of looks like a walnut. And then uh, they fit him with the ultimate weapon. They build him a hammer. And she says, you can't be named John Henry and not have a hammer. And what strikes me about that is he's doing this illegal operation. He's trying to keep his identity a secret. Maybe don't give me a weapon that's associated (laughs) with my secret identity. He's already the only person in Los Angeles who's his size. (laughs) In that neighborhood. I get the sense that this neighborhood is like three square blocks. Well, it's also (laughs) ridiculous because they act like the neighborhood is in downtown Los Angeles. I'm getting ahead. But, like, the gang fight that he breaks up in downtown L.A. between, like, I think the Marks and some other group Mm -hmm. is, like, absurd. That that wouldn't be happening. And why is it always so empty? (laughs) Downtown L.A. has no one in it ever. Is it empty? The streets (laughs) are No cars on the road. No cops anywhere to be found. It's crazy. In L.A. where the streets are damp and unpopulated. Uh, So they they give him... This, uh, they give him this hammer and Richard Roundtree says, I did the pounding myself. I especially like the shaft. (laughs) Is that what he says? No, um, 
I think Sparky says something about that he can't be pounding something. And then Oh, not just for pounding. Yeah, she says something like that, which felt slightly like an innuendo. <laughs> yeah. And then they cut to Uncle Joe who says, I especially like the shaft. <laughs> and then they look at him really strange. And the reason they look at him strange is because they've worked in the word shaft, and that's Richard Roundtree's famous character. But that is a yeah. weird way to Especially after in. saying that he can't be pounding anything. <laughs> and then to make a comment on his shaft. <laughs> I especially it, like the shaft. It just did not go the way that it should. <laughs> it was a Tobias Funke line. Can you believe that the writer of this movie took extra time to make sure that he got the dialogue to be authentic? <laughs> I can't believe that. I can't believe he did it for a day, though. I like how they, <laughs> they look. He spent a day <laughs> with... Two kids, maybe, in South Central? I can believe that. Okay, so here he... Then now he's ready to go out into the street. We're doing Shafting a shot-for-shot shot breakdown of this movie again. That's fine. I The summary's at the beginning. Oh, my God. Let's let's at least talk about his first outing. We have to, I know. But it's just... This is... It's, it's reliving it again. It's hard, Matt. <laughs> well... I just want to... Move on with my life. <laughs> Are we gonna have a, f- a third filming? <laughs> oh no! New recording? Whatever it is called. I just stopped recording it. This is this was just our our uh, dry run. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> doing a test run. Uh, so remember, the heart of this movie is that Shaq wants to protect his neighborhood. He wants to put the underprivileged, misguided youth of his neighborhood. Um. And he he wants to guide them correctly, but the first crime he stops is like this rich this rich white couple coming out of an opera, and I yeah, think the line very, is like Wayne family. <laughs> yeah, they look like the Waynes. Yeah, I think she says he was such a good actor, and and then the dude from Congo and Rush Hour comes, and also with... the brother in Eastbound and Down. Is he the brother? In Eastbound yeah, Down? he's uh, Danny McBride's brother. That's awesome. He pulls out a knife, and I think he tells them to break themselves. He does. Break yourself. <laughs> and he takes their wallets. Uh, he, says is... like, he says, like, let me see some money or something like that. And, and break yourself. Yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> and uh, he takes it to a steamy construction site. Which apparently was, like, around the corner. <laughs> yeah, well, you you know LA because you live there. Yeah. It's Opera House. Mm-hmm. <laughs> steamy construction site. They're, they're always in there. You can't have one without the other. Right next to a public escalator. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls out from somewhere shrouded in the mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's throwing away, like... Remember back when people used to have those plastic sleeves for family photos? The mugger is throwing that stuff out. And he says, that's not a nice way to treat somebody's family photos. And the guy says, who's that? I'll cut you, man. (laughs) To no one. Does he really say that? (laughs) He says that, yeah. Oh, man. That's good. He's got a glimmering switchblade. Gonna cut you, man. Yeah, and then Shaq pops out in his absurd uh, armor suit every superhero movie has this the suit reveal moment and that's this he steps out of the steam and it's really it's such an ugly suit but the guy is terrified backs away Shaq picks him up 
and then uses like this weird like, yeah, like a nail gun <laughs> setting yeah, from his wrist it's like a it's, it's like, like a, a white stake sort of and but... he like pins him up and he thinks he says like hang out here for a while or something like that yeah and so the waynes are on a payphone probably armed with a car alarm who knows and they're trying to call the police and here comes Shaq in his in his crazy clanking suit and he gives them their wallet back and he says on behalf of the people of Los Angeles I apologize and then backs away towards an escalator and then ominously skirts away up the escalator yeah he like (laughs) backs onto it really smooth like stepping onto a moving escalator without looking. Yeah, he does it with pretty the impressive. <laughs> and then he like pivots to face forward after he goes up about five feet. <laughs> and I don't know why, but all three times that I watched, I watched this movie three times, and all <laughs> three times, yeah. <laughs> all three times, I expected him to salute. <laughs> like the way he like backs up, yeah. it feels like he's gonna give him like a parting salute. And uh, he yeah, doesn't. I get that. And it really bothered me all three times. Uh, and then he stops a gang fight, doesn't he? Yeah, so that's when he immediately goes to the next spot where there's, in downtown LA, there's a group of, I think it's like the Marks, I think it's like a black gang running away, and there's a Hispanic gang in the lowrider chasing after them, firing guns towards them, and he intervenes, and (laughs) the leader of the Hispanic gang like they hit the brakes, they like screech to a halt, and he yells out something like, "He says, damn homie, what the hell is that? I'm gonna smoke <laughs> you like a blunt." Wait, no, you skipped ahead. <laughs> oh, so he does say, "Damn homie, what the hell is that?" And it's hilarious. And then he's like, Shaq is talking back to them, and I think they, he's like, "Oh, he says like, put down your weapons, and no one's gonna get hurt." And that's when the guy in the passenger seat says, "I'm gonna smoke you like a blunt." And then they all open fire on him. And then he wags his finger at just... them, exposing <laughs> his, his expo- Achilles heel. Yeah, his, his unarmed palms. Unarmored He's... palm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then after they like all shoot at him for a long time, they get back in the car and they say, let's go get us a body. And they drive over to him. It's like, you already shot at him. What do you think you're going to do? Like, what is to be gained by driving down the stairs in their lowrider car? Because they're in a plaza. Yeah, they're not on the road. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a plaza. It's like, why are you? What is, what's the point? Yeah, they're here? driving around in a courtyard, yeah. And so then he intimidates them away. He, he halts their car in a super dangerous way with the sonic setting on his hammer gun. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is also when we find out that his hammer. Which is, is not just for pounding. Yeah, it's not a. It's not at all for pounding. Um, <laughs> his hammer is actually a hammer themed USR Model Three Point Five Sonic Eliminator. Yeah, it has all it's the just, settings it's and just extra less, features. Less ergonomic than yeah, it's the, because it's got a it's got a hammerhead on the back that makes that makes it pull down. Yeah. Um, but so he he opens it up to the sonic blast setting, halting the car, shattering the windows, mm-hmm. definitely risking, because it's essentially a car crash, is what he's doing to them. <laughs> yes. So the, all these teenagers could have died from what he just did, and it's probably not good For to take ears? a sonic blast to the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
nobody's ever having ear trauma from the <laughs> sonic blast not from the beginning when they demonstrate it they're not wearing any protect like ear protection people get sonic blasts shot at them you would expect that their ears are bleeding nothing like that it it it's it's a very specific sonic <laughs> blast it only hits what you want it to but then so so he in, he intimidates these gangs they both run away the other gang also discusses whether or not they are going to like attack him also because they don't trust him or whatever and the police start coming sparky warns him and says oh like you have blue coming or something weird like that mm-hmm. and he says yeah from the south and the west <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest response to that that I could imagine. And so we got another chase. No, wait. Before the chase, this is when he um oh, he doesn't get chased this time. This is when your favorite cameo happens. Oh, beautiful performance. Uh, we get the beginnings of there's this relationship of animosity between one particular beat cop and steel there's a there's one cop and his partner his partner is no, very entertained no, uh, by nope. steel that is not true it's they're in separate cop cars when they show up oh dude. because that's one of them came from the south and one of them <laughs> came, came from, from the, the west. west they're in separate cop cars they pull up and then later we see them in the same cop car well i love the west side it's time to party yep whenever <laughs> superman does something it's in the high okay and so one of the cops really likes steel he thinks he's super cool i don't know why because he looks like an idiot the other guy (laughs) is he's a no-nonsense cop no vigilante he's gonna be fighting crime on my street is he the cop from die hard like the first one that's carl winslow from family matters this one i've been building this up is played by None other than the guy who plays Michael Jordan's dad in Space Jam. (laughs) He's great in this. And he's great in Space Jam. This guy was in two WB movies that were headlined starring an NBA athlete. I mean, how do you do that in one career? He's gifted. (laughs) So I've looked him up on his IMDb page. Uh, He's listed as... The guy who plays Michael Jordan's dad in Space Jam. <laughs> so the guy who who plays Michael Jordan's dad in Space Jam uh, says, put your hands up, put them way up. And what does Steel do, Jim? Or better yet, Shanley, what does Steel do? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> put your hands up, put your hands way, way up. Oh, that's right. Doesn't he shoot a cable up <laughs> to like a neighboring building and then slowly <laughs> lifts himself up yeah he's in kind yeah. of a ballet pose but it's not a grappling hook it's like a uh, spike steak. that goes into the wall about six feet below the top of the building mm-hmm. so he goes up like peter pan style <laughs> like one knee bent and the other extended <laughs> toes pointed slowly raising into the air which also, like, he moves in, like, a straight line. He's a 5,000-pound person <laughs> wearing steel. If it was able to lift him, 
he definitely should have swung and smashed the wall of that building immediately turning, when he lifted into the air. Turning into a human wrecking ball. Yeah. Um, he came in like a wrecking ball. And Miley Cyrus into the side of the building. That, yeah. And that doesn't happen for some reason. But also, how does he get from the top of the cable to the top of the building? Well, it doesn't land there. No, it's, yeah. it's only, But you said it yourself. It's about six feet from the ledge of the building. And Shaq, his arms are about nine feet long. But the cable came from the end of his hand. <laughs> okay, that's, that's fair. So, <laughs> the, so he's already, that's the extent of his reach is where the cable will end. So he should have just been stuck in the side of this building. <laughs> just swinging just back dangling and from one arm. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh man. So, so somehow he makes it over the top. The cop who's a fan is like, You told him to get way, way up. Yep. The guy who plays Michael Jordan's dad is not having yeah, it. Yeah, no nonsense. <laughs> he he cannot condone this chicanery. Yeah. How do you say it? What? The line from Jim Carrey and Oh Tommy um, Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones says, I will not sanction your buffoonery. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Condone your chicanery. That works. <laughs> that's better. Yeah. That's the that's the non copyrighted version. <laughs> <laughs> um but so then this police chase happens. We but don't need to spend, I think, much time on it. I just have to say, there's cops on the roofs of those buildings super quick. Way quicker than <laughs> it took for anyone to respond to the bank robbery. Well, to be fair, I mean, Shaq slowly, like, <laughs> very, yeah. like, elementary school, like, play got to, like, go up in the air and get to the top of this building. That's true. It gave them plenty of time to hire other police officers, train them, and then get them to the top of the building. These police were probably responding to the mugging, if anything. <laughs> uh, honestly, they probably... They did... <gasps> Oh my god, they thought that Shaq is the one who mugged them. The listeners will find out later, but that's why they're probably not listening to these people when they're calling them in to identify the the man in the steel. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? I'm I know wrong, what you mean. But I just funny. like the way you worded it. it oh yeah, so the eloquent. man in the steel? Uh, yeah, so there's this crazy chase. Um... The only important part of the chase from where I sit watching this three times is at the climax of the police chase. He gets to a dead end. He has to jump across an alleyway to the neighboring roof. And Sparky's like, uh, don't do it. The rage finder says you can't jump that far. You're wearing 75 pounds of steel. She should have said only 75 pounds (laughs) of steel. And first off, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. But at least in cameras, that's not at all what a rangefinder is. Yeah. Um, but either way, it, he his response is, calm, calm down, Sparky. I got second place in high school in the long jump. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes for it. And it's like, dude, you were second best in your high school. Like, what are you talking about right now? You should not be doing this. So he, he doesn't make it. Catches he, onto the he railing. He almost does. He, he, well, he's able to catch onto the railing, 
And I commented that the chainmail on his hands, even though his palms are exposed, I think the chainmail would have made him slip. Metal on metal contact. I think he would have fallen straight down, but he doesn't. And I know we're trying to speed through this, but a lot of weird stuff happens on this chase. I've got to get to it. Uh, so now he is maybe three blocks away from where he was almost arrested. He's been running randomly, but he lowers himself down from his non-grappling hook thing. It breaks when he's 80 feet up in the air. He lands in a dumpster and she says, are you okay? That's Sparky. She says, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, just a little trashed, which doesn't mean anything. No one ever says that, but he happens to have landed right next to his steel cycle. So he jumps on his steel cycle and he makes Sparky change all the traffic lights to green. <laughs> I... Not clear if she has the know-how to do that. Yeah, I. but that's also a weird decision. Like, he, he is knowingly breaking the law. He's running from the police. Why does he have her changing the lights to green? That's way more dangerous than just running the red light because he's changing the, the traffic flow immediately. I don't know. It's a stupid thing. And then he finally gets home. And that's his first night out. Well, at least he had the time and effort to put to make a vanity plate for that <laughs> steel cycle, which literally just says steel. It's amazing. <laughs> Is that cycle registered? <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I also just can't get over a seven foot man wearing a huge like steel armored outfit on a motorcycle being able to outrun the cops like what um i actually have an answer to why they were changing the color of all the lights the traffic lights i think it's not because he doesn't want to break the law by running a red light i think it's that he wants to have all the cars not crossing so that it's safe for him to go in a straight line home because if he it might be unsafe for him to run a red light and get like T-boned by somebody on his motorcycle. You just made a fool out of yourself in front of T-bone. <clears throat> That's fair. <laughs> for a guy who has a passion for non-lethal weapons, he really endangers a lot of police officers in this chase. There's this one cop who's right directly behind him and he lasers a hole in a water tanker truck. That makes the police officers slide and like crash his motorcycle. Yeah, like, like that, that was <laughs> like that was the safest way to do that. It was crazy. <laughs> um, they have a helicopter chasing him. He gets back to the junkyard, and they have like the she has some cheesy lines. We haven't mentioned any of their ridiculous like radio it, calls. It's really They're flirtatious. Like, Little John, not- this is the b-hole or something <laughs> that is not it. it is not little john in the b-hole <laughs> i say? don't know what it is but it is uh, she says little john i shot the sheriff at one point that's at the very beginning of the yeah. movie and then she has some other cheesy thing that she says to him when he gets back to the junkyard it's not the b-hole <laughs> well uh, so he pulls up she opens the gate and then it closes behind him so that they can, I, she like, says, she goes, welcome home. I know she says that. She does say that, but she says other stupid things. <laughs> does she say beehole? <laughs> she says something about the beehole. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, I think the next scene is my favorite scene, which is 
Nathaniel is meeting with Slats, not at the machine gun hiding warehouse that they have unrestricted access to, but they meet at a bench by Echo Park Lake. Mm -hmm. And Nathaniel has already bought Slats a hot dog. (laughs) And he's like, eat the hot dog. And he's getting mad at him because he's dressed too flashy. He shows up in a white vest with no shirt underneath. Yeah. And a whole bunch of chains on. And he has like a diamond eye patch on. <laughs> and he's like like spending your money already or something. Says, and Slats says like you got to floss if you got it or something. Mm-hmm. And he says if you floss too much you'll your gums will bleed. I think that's a pretty decently written line. I, think that's I mean I guess. But I think one of the kids that the writer met in South Central said flossing. And he's like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with that. And so he he tells him to eat the hot dog. And he's like, I don't eat pork. I don't mess with that pork mess or something. Yeah. (laughs) And he says it's turkey mess. (laughs) And so. Dude, that could be your dancer name. With no. (laughs) With no hesitancy, Slat starts eating this turkey, turkey hot dog. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, like the hot dog vendor in Echo Park Lake is like, oh, these are turkey. Don't worry <laughs> about it. But so he eats it, and then after like this weird argument that doesn't really serve any purpose, Nathaniel walks away from Slats and says, "Hey, eat the hot dog. Don't be one." And that's that's the end of their whole interaction. It's beautiful. I, I, he also alludes there that he's murdered the child that Shaq was chasing, Cutter. Oh, he yeah. says, maybe you'll end up like Cutter. Oh. Yeah, they had to teach him a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Earlier on in the movie, he says, get rid of Cutter. But at this point, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, happened off the screen, <laughs> but he murdered a child. <laughs> so. um, Oh, yeah. so good. So then we, I guess, get to the second night out where um, they, they're like, okay, now that our weapons work, we're going to like do a more televised, like high-profile crime so that people will hear about this. So they go to rob the Federal Reserve. <laughs> it's a very accessible building for being the Federal Reserve. Yeah. There's no security guards. No fencing around the building. It's just right on a city block. And and the the bank vault, the Federal Reserve bank vault, is like the the room in the building that's the closest to the street. Yeah. It's not like in the center. It's not in the basement. I think there's like a couple like cubicles in between the wall and the <laughs> bank vault. But yeah, it's pretty it's, much it's right there. It's got a street side view. <laughs> the vault. <laughs> yeah, that's now we're talking. And so there's this this big break in where they're robbing the Federal Reserve, and there's like police helicopters overhead, mm-hmm. and a bunch of police show up this time, including Michael Jordan's dad, the guy who played Michael Jordan's oh, re- dad. Oh wow, that's disappointing. <laughs> so Shaq goes, and he's there, and he's trying to like confront the guys, and they're waiting for this, right? And they seize this moment to shoot down a helicopter with their gun. I don't know which setting they use. I think it was setting two. I'm not sure if it was the like the sound blast mm-hmm. or the flare gun or the laser. Yeah. But one of them takes down the helicopter. It's falling down. Shaq has to run and save Michael Jordan's dad. <laughs> Michael Jordan's biological father <laughs> is about to die from this helicopter crash. 
and Shaq saves him. And he has a cut on his chin, and the cop gets a real close look at it. And that's going to come up later. Yeah, believe it or not, that that actually (laughs) comes into play. It's a very minute cut. It's about maybe three inches long at at, at the most. But on Shaq chin, that's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. So... He gets he gets back to the bee hole and he has a broken rib. She says he's got a few broken ribs. Yeah. Oh, this one actually he does go to the bee hole. Um, so so he's he's trying to get away uh, from the cops mm-hmm. after this happens because the cops are chasing him. Right, and the gang's getting away already. Yeah, he's on his motorcycle. And she says, "All right, like you're heading right up to the rabbit hole." That's what. And it then is. he goes home. And he's having this weird whisper argument with Grandma Odessa, who we didn't mention before, but she is really into cooking and wants to start a restaurant called Black and Bleu. Yeah, it's it's soul food it's like a mixed French with soul French. food, which is already kind of what soul food is. Yeah, I think this is kind of a white guy's idea of something that would be funny for a black person to do, because that's what Southern food and especially like Creole food is already. Yeah. Um, so she's trying to make hominy souffle yeah and so they she keeps getting mad at people for being loud because they're gonna make it like collapse collapse in and then all of a sudden the cops just start busting through the windows like a SWAT (laughs) team and this guy clumsily breaks the kitchen window that's like above the counter and is like crawling through it all like slow and falls into the sink like someone's gonna bathe him (laughs) and i think shaq just grabs him by the collar and like throws him onto the ground yeah and it's like fully like fighting this cop (laughs) and then another cop just walks through the back door yeah <laughs> it's like I don't know why the other Damn cop it, Terry, didn't think I, of this. I tried the door, um, always <laughs> with the with the sink window with Terry. But so they use real guns to um, detain Shaq. So much more effective. Yeah, the best kind of guns, I think. And so they take him in to put him in a lineup in front of the white couple that he got their wallets back. She, they have thus far described the man uh, as very polite. Which felt kind of racist to me. <laughs> I mean, I guess he was. He apologized I mean, on behalf of all of Los Angeles. He was very polite. You know, I'm going to give the whites a pass this one time, <laughs> okay. uh, if I have the authority to do so. On behalf of on all behalf, the citizens On behalf of, of the Caucasia. citizens of Los Angeles, I would like to uh, say that it's cool that they said that this one time. Okay. They're like, we don't want to do this. The guy was a really nice man, and also... He's not, He's not there. in there. And it's like, okay, but you just said that you don't want to help him. Like, he's going to see through that, right? Uh, so they, they send in Michael, Michael Jordan's, Jordan's biological father to go into the room <laughs> and identify the guy. Because he got a close look at him when he saved him from the helicopter. And he goes through the line and makes a real intense stare down happen between him and the gash on Shaq's chin that's still about two feet above his head. (laughs) And he's just staring at it for like an awkwardly long time that any cop should probably have picked up on. And then just moves on down the line and is like, nope, I don't see him. This guy saved me from a helicopter. From a falling helicopter, and he's cool by me. And so then they just lock Shaq back into the prison cell. Sorry, the jail cell. There's a really problematic cop who's keeping guard over him yeah oh 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 no 
we missed the best part. So when Shaq was fighting the SWAT, uh, the SWAT boys, and he's face down on the ground, he reaches up, pulls out his transceiver that allows him to hear and speak to Sparky, and puts it in his mouth. Yuck. And then apparently between that point, being arrested, taken to the jail, getting in the lineup, and then going back to a cell... He did not once take this thing out of his mouth. And so he takes it out, puts it immediately back in his ear, and it's like, take oh, Sparky, a wet, back. Like... And so then the cops and the other prison, or the other, whatever. Jailbirds. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, they're all, like, watching him talk to himself and not freaking out about it. But then what happens? One of the uh, cops says something to him. I think he says... Shaq says something like he needs their help, and he says, What? You got tired of talking to the trees? You're not in the army anymore. Fruitcake? Yeah. Like, because it's the, pretty bad. The police are so disrespectful to military, usually. <laughs> so Sparky get, comes with this plan to break him out. She has Uncle Joe get a signature from someone, from the district attorney. And then they also call, she calls the, is it the district attorney that she calls? Mm-hmm. And she gets patched through, and she says, May I ask who is speaking? And instead of him being like, you called me, don't waste my time and with this, I'm the district attorney, <laughs> yeah. or anything. He, she goes, may I ask who's speaking? And he says, this is district attorney Charles Silverberg. <laughs> uh, and secretly what she's doing is she's recording his voice so that she can augment her own voice on the phone with the jail police mm-hmm. to tell them, hey, this, this is, is district, district attorney Charles Silverberg. Uh, you need to release John Henry immediately. And I'm faxing over something with my actual signature on it. Yeah. Because if those two things were all that was required to get a prisoner released, like number one, do all the police that work at the jail know the district attorney's voice? Mm-hmm. And also do they all recognize his signature? Right. Like that's the this insane that those would be the two things he's like oh well damn all right looks Letting like you're out of here buddy sorry um, I called you a fruit cake yeah, that was really I didn't wrong know you with had me. so much pull with the district attorney <laughs> um, but yeah so he gets out of jail and then honestly I don't know how we get from that scene to him being captured by Nathaniel during the in person live auction yeah for the weapons he gets so yeah he goes uh at this point they know that he's meeting nathaniel burke is meeting with all sorts of terrorists from around the world we've got everyone we've got neo-nazis who look at internet porno yep we have but not just internet porno now use the internet for other things too now (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, it's 1997 it's for more than porno I didn't know it was for porno before 1997. <laughs> There's also it's uh, uh, a pretty offensive, like, stereotypical Latino drug cartel. It seems like there's like a diamond mine guy because there's one that looks like it's in a tent in Africa, but it's like a white dude mm. with a weird, like maybe South African accent. <laughs> maybe uh, there's an Australian guy. Uh, there is a businesswoman. We got all manner of terrorists. Oh yeah, the businesswoman. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about her. And they they advertised this on a website that took a week to go live. Uh, and now they're <laughs> meeting in a warehouse. Shaq 
goes to infiltrate it. At this point, they've kidnapped Ray J, Ray Sparky. J, and Sparky. So we, this is just Uncle Joe, Lily the dog, and Shaq, and they infiltrate this warehouse. Shaq gets shot. He falls through a window and lands <laughs> right at the right at the feet of Judd Nelson. And Judd Nelson has Judd Nelson already killed Slats at this point? Oh, no, he doesn't kill no, him. No, he, he kills. He, he kills Dantastic. He kills Dantastic. Actually, he doesn't kill him because as they're pulling him away, he's going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because he's using the USR Model 3.5 Sonic Eliminator. That is a non-lethal weapon. <laughs> That's right. Um, that everyone, it's all the rage. Everybody um, wants one, yeah. But so he, Dantastic, he's, he's there talking. He's like, oh, I'm going to sell you guys my guns. They're like, what do you need this money for? You already have the gun. You can rob any place you want. And one of them's like, you want power. That's what you want. And he's like, yeah, you guys have to come here because I have to charge your guns. No one else can charge them. And he's like, you have to come through me. And then Big Willie from Dantastic is like, uh, what do you mean your guns or something? And he says, come to us. <laughs> and then <so laughs> Jed Nelson <laughs> shoots him. Shoots him immediately. And then tells Don't the gang. Don't sass me, Dantastic. And then, and then he reiterates, <laughs> you have to come to me. Then he tells the gang, the, the Marks. To get him out of here, who? Uh, Big Willie. The, he tells Big them Willie. to drag his. Would body you say away. that Big Willie is Mister Dantastic? Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go. I, I definitely said that. So that happens, and then he says, "Like we have one more demonstration. Let's you're, get the. Boys you remember in the, the hood. bank mobile and the boys in the hood, and the the Humvee rolls in and." And Slats comes Slats in. Slats is like, like ghost riding. He's like, what's up with this, man? Or something <laughs> like attitude like that. Raise up. He's just throwing out the buzzwords that Kenneth um, Johnson learned. There is a part earlier, by the way, I don't. we're not going to figure out when this happens, but there is a part where Slats says, that's peace. Yeah. And that's hilarious. Yeah. But so he, he's, he has them come in, and then he says he always does his testing on rats. Right. And he says that they've served their purpose. And then he goes, oh, and by the way, Slats, the hot dog, it was pork. And then that's when Slats loses. (laughs) You've called me a rat. You've been pretty racist. You said we served our purpose. But But now. No, you made me eat pork that one time. You forced me to eat a hot dog. Against my wheel. Um, And so then when Slats starts to like lunge towards him, he shoots him with the sparkle setting, I think. (laughs) And then Shaq wakes up, and he's like, my weapon's the most powerful. And then Shaq somehow reverse psychologies him into taking the hammer and being like, this is the most powerful, but don't touch the red part. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Judd Nelson, don't do it. And Judd Nelson's like, well, you know I always have to push, push the... Envelope. Yeah, that's a callback. He says it earlier in the movie when he blows the guy's eye up. And apparently the red part of the hammer gun turns his suit into a magnet. Yeah. And it made the hammer fly towards him and attach itself to his suit. <laughs> his chest. <laughs> and so then now he's armed again. Mm-hmm. And all hell breaks loose. Everything's on fire and exploding. Sparkles are flying back and forth. Um, a car explodes. Sparky suddenly <laughs> reveals that her wheelchair it's has been weaponized, weaponized the whole time. <laughs> so she shooting she let them capture her and bring her to this warehouse, not knowing that Shaq was going to fall through the ceiling at some point. 
and <laughs> the whole time she's got like rockets attached to her chair and then he's like you need to get out of here and, and fast she's like is this fast enough and then it hits the like jet turbo boost button. turbo and let me her. just say it's not fast enough no it's really not <laughs> it's not that fast um uh and then um ray then j and him to, yeah. are thrown into a room and um it's, mr it's underworld himself throws a grenade in the room and locks the door and at this point in the movie John Henry has shown that he can never make the free throw. He said wink, straight wink. up, I, I was always, or I always had trouble with the free throws. When I played on the Lakers. And this is his moment. This is his chance. He's got to throw a grenade out of a tiny hole in the chain link fence. And the grenade has been active for, I don't know, six, seven minutes at this point. And Ray J is like, this is what you got to do. Bend your knees and follow through. He has a, he has enough time to to teach him the fundamentals of of basketball. And uh, lo and behold, John's able to throw it through the fence and blow up Mr. Underworld. And he barely makes it through. It like teeters on the chain oh, like, yeah. pretty hard. It sure does. He gets out and Judd Nelson goes, I haven't shown you my biggest we- weapon yet. Tries to shoot John, but it bounces off oh of yeah the it's steel. a sonic blast that we've seen a thousand times yeah. <laughs> and except, it bounces. It's, except it's attached to a car that's that's yeah that's the only difference it bounces off but of, that's how they broke in that's how they flipped over the cop car in the first scene that he saw that's true it's a dumb movie it um, bounces right off of Shaq's chest which is probably what maybe 15 pounds of steel at most i mean the the sonic eliminator at the beginning of the movie leveled an entire building this one bounces and that's off. also the way that the senator died in that scene and that sparky had her accident accident yeah is that the blast because nathaniel turned the power all the way up on the sonic blast it bounces off the building and back towards them oh, and collapses okay. the building they're in right so now the same thing happens because it's poetic like that. oh okay that it bounces off john henry so he never learned his lesson and a bunch of wooden and, crates fall on him and he dies. Yeah, and those wooden crates kill him to death. <laughs> they, um, they exit the building and Ray J turns to this seven foot tall man who sounds just like his brother. And who, who he had to coach through free throws. Yeah. Has shared all these moments with. And uh, this superhero is surrounded by all of his brother's best friends. And the super, and the villain keeps calling him John. He has a hammer. <laughs> he keeps calling him John. And Ray J's character goes... Are you John? Are you my brother? My own brother is Steel, aren't you? Can I just say, I thought they were cousins for the longest time. Like, I didn't know what the actual relation was. Yeah. So in the last, what, two minutes of the movie, we find out they're actually been brothers. That's the twist. This entire yeah. time. Mm-hmm. It really was a twist. <laughs> now we finally know. We never find out who Uncle Joe is, though. Well, everything in this movie is really unearned. That's my problem. They don't ever really lay the foundation of any relationships or how anyone connects to anyone mm-hmm. or how what anyone's credentials are the the movie just demands that we accept this and <laughs> it's just what we're stuck with all right final scene we've made it we've been talking about this for 2 hours and 5 minutes <laughs> really we've been talking about this for about 5 hours because yeah. this is our second time recording <laughs> and the first time was about this long also yeah it sure was uh, we are outside of Grandma Odessa's place, and it's the grand opening of Black and Blue. 
and they're eating the food and sparky says uh this is this is lovely odessa and oh yeah <laughs> first off no wait sorry i know we're trying to wrap this up dude but what did she say earlier on. uh earlier on oh 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 it was your favorite line no it's family's so line is your favorite line wasn't it i thought you liked this rolled one. in bed crumbs? where yeah uh, uncle joe shanley can you deliver the line I don't have it on um, What be, is it in response to? He sees they're watching on the screen what, what Steele ha- is doing. Okay. And he says, well, I'll be dipped in ish. I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs. <laughs> and, and Sparky, under her breath, says to that, sounds like Grandma Odessa's cooking or something like that. One of Odessa's recipes or something. Sounds like, like one of Odessa's recipes. So she's never even met this woman before. She's talking bad and about And she's it. talking shit about her her food. And yeah, how dare a woman in her 70s have passion about something and be trying something new. Yeah. But so then she's at a restaurant and she goes, you're the best, Odessa. And it's like, nah, dude. You've been talking no. bad about me behind my back. I may have a romantic relationship with Uncle Joe. Who knows? Nobody knows. But it, it's this really weird segue. She says something like, this is lovely. And Odessa says, you know what's lovely? That's steel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Uncle Joe says really suspiciously, what do you think about steel, Odessa? I think anybody would be proud to have him a member of their family. And then she goes, I've got a surprise. And she brings out the hominy souffle. She's mastered it. Woo-hoo. After hominy attempts, finally she's landed it. Uh, something happens. And Sparks' response is to say, oh, I didn't show you the most, the latest update to my chair. And she presses a button and her chair like hoists up her torso. That way she's like in standing position. Yeah, it like stands her up. And everyone applauds. And accused a song by Marvin Winans that says, Stand up! Stand up! You gotta steal yourself! We didn't talk about that song earlier. That song is insane. Today, somebody... I was in conversation with somebody just today, and they said, I have to steal myself. And in my mind, I was like, is that really an expression? Because I just heard that in a movie last night. Yeah. Apparently it is. And that's the end of this arduous movie. Well, no, it isn't. What? Because, uh, remember, then there's the scene where uh, Shaq is on the phone with the general. Oh, dear. Is that <laughs> you know, after? They got us one more time. Gosh, darn. Um, and he's on the phone with the general. And he's using, and the, he's voice using the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or maybe just a voice that sounds like it. But he calls him Arnold. Yeah, he calls him um, Arnold. And he... Is there anything even important happen in that scene? He basically tells him that he's him. But of course he's him. He's seven feet tall. And he lives in Shaq's neighborhood. And he's working with Sparky. Well, he says, like, is this you, Irons? Uh, and he says, I can't tell you that. I don't know if this is a secure line. Which is a callback to a conversation they had earlier in the film. So he's basically telling him that it's him, but without saying it's him. I think this scene happens before. It probably does. The but Odessa. either way, it's but stupid. It, finally, the movie's over, and we never have to revisit it again. So let's do our stupid rankings <laughs> so we can be done with it. Because <laughs> this movie is an irritant to me. I hope that this gets deleted and we have to do it a third time. 
I don't. Shanley, can you do the honors with your ranking? So remember, we're ranking uh, your your movie night experience with this film. Give us what's your current number one, what's your current last place, and where Steel lands in this for you. So I finally actually like oh, wrote wait, it no, down. Wait, sorry. Oh, dear me. When will this movie die, Jim? I knew there was something important from... Yeah, I've got a box of Cheez-Its in that cupboard that are calling my name right now. I knew there was something important that happened in the scene with Arnold talking to the general guy. And the general's talking, and we don't really understand what's happening in this conversation. But I believe the general says to Steel, without knowing who he's talking to, I'm glad you called. The seal squealed and fingered Nathaniel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And we all paused on my third viewing. And had to rewind that and figure out what the hell is he talking about. We never figured it out. I'm glad you called. The seal squealed and fingered Nathaniel. (laughs) What does that mean? Who's the seal? I don't know. (laughs) And why did it squeal? (laughs) Like, is there a a subplot in this? That there was like a Navy seal that was like undercover with the terrorists or something? But they see they squealed, so like that seems like they were working. They, with him. they weren't working with the government; they were working with Nathaniel. I don't know, but he, but he fingered Nathaniel. <laughs> yeah, and then he squealed. <laughs> no, you got the sequence backwards. He squealed. Yeah, and then he fingered Nathaniel. <laughs> okay, well, either way, Nathaniel got fingered, and that's all that matters. <laughs> but I think that's important. That for was the, the working title of this movie. Nathaniel got fingered. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, okay. now so, can we rank it? Yes, I just that that was important. You just felt that like that that was gonna that was gonna change our rankings. I mean, it might. <laughs> Let's start with Shanley. All right, so finally wrote them all down. Okay, I think most likely to rewatch is still Jaws: The Revenge. Wow. Okay. Least likely to rewatch is Pet Cemetery. And Steel is right in the middle. Dead middle, huh? Yeah. I feel like it is definitely a bad movie. But I laughed. I I enjoyed it. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, it's a good time. Nathaniel, no. Oh, my God. How, how have we not talked about that yet? <laughs> it's okay. We did now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should go next, Matt. Let's hear your rankings. My rankings? Well, I like your rankings, Shanley. I think that's pretty good. Um, so, still number one for me is Spirit of Vengeance. I've actually had a hankering to watch it, but I haven't got the opportunity. Uh, surprise ending, guys. This is my absolute bottom. I know that Brokeback Mountain made me feel really sad, and so I'd said I'd probably never watch that again. This is beneath that. I don't know if it's because I was forced to watch it a second time and then talk about it again at length, but I never, ever want to watch this movie again. And I, and I can only blame myself, not for losing the recording, because who knows whose fault that was. But I'm the one who chose this movie, and I'm angry at myself for doing that. I'm going to have psychological trauma because I put myself through this. So I've got a new bottom. My new bottom is steel. I've got a steel bottom, if you will. Yeah, I support that. Um, you support my steel bottom? Yes, always. Um, and I agree. I think I have to say this is the worst movie 
that we've watched together. It's not only the worst movie that we've watched together, but it is also the most difficult to watch movie that we've watched together. We had to check the time on it like multiple times. Like how much longer do we have on this? So we had to gear ourselves up. It's an hour and 36 minutes with like a four minute opening of like (laughs) forging steel, like molten steel and, and then like a five minute end credit scene. And it's still an incredibly long movie. It's like an hour and 20 minutes really when you cut it down to it. And it was brutal. Um, so this is definitely the new worst for me. Wow. Um, so you're now more apt to watching Spirit of Vengeance. More than this, certainly. <laughs> okay. And um, Spirit of Vengeance wasn't my last place, I don't think. Yeah, it was. You had a, you had a Ghost Rider sandwich. It was close with Batman and Robin. Hmm. So I think even if it was that one, it was, it was close. But this is definitely worse than Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Ghost Rider is still my number one. Okay. It's my ride or die movie. He he died then rode. Yeah, he rided and died it. He died it then ride it. I think that I think that nothing's gonna get worse than this. I I think so too. But that's a that's a good segue because do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's time to spin that wheel. It's Shanley spin, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyone have a guess what Shanley's gonna spin? Hmm. Anyone feel anything? Want to manifest it into the universe? Or we'll, we'll, man- <laughs> we'll manifest it. I apologize. Apologies all around. Uh, I know. Personally, I'm hoping for Movie Jar. We haven't had Movie Jar in a very long time. And that really is the biggest surprise. We've added some new ones in there that I kind of don't want to spoil what they are, but I'm hoping that it's going to be one of the new ones. We might cut this statement from the podcast, but... Number one, we've already admitted that we're re-recording this, so I wonder if we should just acknowledge that we already know what we're going to spin. And then number two, should we just re-spin? Because what if we just didn't know? What if we just actually re-spin right now? I don't think so, man. I think we got a good thing coming. But I feel like it's at least genuine to share the experience with the listener to just have us all find out together what we're spinning. I, I would say... Since, You're probably right. Since it's Chanley Spin, let's let her decide. It's probably best to just go with the spin that already happened. But if it didn't get recorded, did it actually happen? It didn't. It was deleted <laughs> by someone. We don't know who. Yeah, no <laughs> Dink. Probably. <laughs> He's mad because we've skipped him on the rotation every time. I don't know. Part of me wants to say spin is sacred. It happened. I don't know. I kind of think re-spin. Shaley, I think you you get to decide. Honestly, I don't care. What I I will do is I will put the weekly watch wheel in your hands. All right. Here we go. Oh no! Do the right what thing, is it? Shanley. What is it, Shanley? So, original spin was Air Buddies franchise. Okay, what's this one? This one is Shanley's parents' choice. <sighs> okay, I say now. Now you have two options, Shanley. I think you can choose one or the other. What's What's worse, the I... devil you know, 
<laughs> you get to choose your Air Buddies movie. What's fascinating, if you choose to honor this second spin, that this will mean all of us have spun our own parents' choice. Oh, yeah, that's incredible, because it doesn't have to turn out that way. Yeah, that defies the laws of nature, probably. It's it's, it's unnatural. This is unnatural. (laughs) Yeah. You know what, Shanley? You know what? I, I propose that Shanley takes time to think about it, and we don't know what the category is until her nominations episode. I love it. Yeah? I like that. I think you just want to get to your Cheez-Its. So you want to <laughs> cut down on any deliberation here? I forgot about the Cheez-Its until now. But I just, I like that idea. I think there's mystique to it. And I hate making decisions. So I think that, you know, gives me some time to procrastinate and figure out what we're going to do. Oh, man. It's been almost a month since you spun Air Buddies franchise. So the fact that it's even like something that you want to procrastinate further on (laughs) when you should have already picked and watched this movie three weeks ago is hilarious. Mm. All right. Is there anything else to talk about? Ready ready to wrap this one up? If this has been a breezy two and a half hours, I knew Steel was going to be our longest episode. There is so much to say about it. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll see everybody next week on movie night right here on the weekly watch wheel where we'll watch either an Air Buddies franchise movie or Shanley's parents' recommendation movie. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Weekly Watch Wheel. If you had as good of a time as we did, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend about us, and maybe even leave us a review. Hit us up on Twitter at WKLYWatchWheel or via email at WeeklyWatchWheel at gmail.com. Love ya. It's the Weekly Watch Wheel. We'll have a Jimmy cut. We'll have a Jimmy cut. Release the Jimmy cut. <laughs> I think that that's uh, like a street name for circumcision. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy cut. <laughs> cut. We're having a barbecue. My boy's getting his Jimmy cut. <laughs>